podcast is presented as entertainment, not flight instruction. Though some participants are certified flight instructors, their comments, opinions, and discussions of flying techniques are theirs alone. None of the co-hosts or guests on this podcast are acting as your flight instructor. Please consult your own CFI for guidance on your specific flight training, aeronautical knowledge, and aircraft operation. This is the Stuck Mike Avcast, an aviation podcast about learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly. Episode 195, U.S. Sport Aviation Expo 2019, live, day number one, coming up next in this episode of the Stuck Mike Avcast. Now here are your co-hosts, Victoria Newville, Eric Crump, Larry Overstreet, Russ Rosleski, Tom Frick, Rick Felty, and Carl Valeri. Well, folks, welcome to another live episode of the Stuck Mike Abcast. We're here at the U.S. Sport Aviation Expo 2019, day one, beautiful day. It's going to get up to 80 degrees today, and I'm really excited to be here at the U.S. Sport Aviation Expo. Things are just getting started, and vendors are arriving. Different folks are arriving from all over the country. They're setting up, and this has been a very good show in the past. By the way, it's the 15th year. We're really excited to be here. We can't wait to bring you some interviews. But coming up in this episode, I know we're going to talk to some folks. uh, The uh, ambassador for the You Can Fly program, Jamie Beckett from AOPA, uh, pilot Jim G. has been on the podcast a few times and talks a little bit about uh, Sun and Fun and what's going on here. Uh, Dylan Vogel, Icon A five what a cool aircraft can't wait to talk to them uh brent howell from the sebring flight academy talks a little bit about their partnership with the bristel and also why they chose sebring and then greg ellsworth aviation insurance resources he actually partners with uh you know victoria newville who's on our podcast and they are just terrific people really getting the word out there about aviation about insurance teaching people what's next what's coming up in the future of aviation insurance hope you enjoy this episode and uh, look for day two in our next episode enjoy well folks this is carl valeri reporting here at the u.s light sport aviation expo in sebring florida starting off today with an exciting show and if you can hear in the background there's a lot of cars going by. The really cool thing is this is a racetrack attached to a runway, so if you get your kicks out of cars and airplanes, this is the place to be today. This is going to be one fun show, and you know what? I actually have the pleasure of running into on my, the first person I saw at Sebring, and I'm so happy to see that person is Jim G. Jim, welcome to the podcast, and, and welcome to Sebring. This looks awesome. It does. I'm glad to be here and at Sebring because it's, of course, 8 degrees at home in the Northeast, so I'm particularly <laughs> delighted to be here. And, uh, yeah, you're right. The Sebring Raceway, Raceway or Racetrack, of course, is very famous. And uh, you and I were talking before the recording, watching the cars go around. We'd lo- we're, we're pilots. We love airplanes. But we wouldn't mind driving a few of those cars around the track also. <laughs> Well, maybe we could get a ride. As a matter of fact, a lot of times they do advertise here and have people exhibiting that do are a part of the racetrack here. Either people that are are schools that do some racing schools. You might want to check that out. I might just do that. Uh, that sounds like a blessed. You never know. You find a new hobby, and there goes aviation. <laughs> oh no! Don't do that. Aviation will never go by the wayside. Whether you get into boating or race cars, you'll stick with aviation, even golf. But one of the things that I think is great about the light sport arena, and this is something that we actually are are focusing on in this show is you know why light sport aircraft for say my club or for my flight school but i'll let you chew on that a little bit i noticed that you're here and you have a lot of sun and fun uh paraphernalia on you have a shirt (laughs) you have a hat on and i know you've been very much involved with sun and fun and i'm glad to see your presence here tell us a little bit uh, about what's going on at sun and fun your involvement and uh, and why you're here today well, I'm here for have a good time. I'm not working for Sun and Fun, but uh, I mean at this show. But I do volunteer for Sun and Fun, and I spend a lot of time working with these very capable staff and the thousands of volunteers there, um, because Sun and Fun sponsors a, an aviation center for excellence. They call it ACE, and ACE's programs include the the high school, which is very well known to those who come to the Lakeland Airport, but may not be known to others that there's actually an aviation high school located at the Lakeland Airport where you live. And that is uh, one of the best programs going today to get young people into aviation. 
we don't the Eagles young Eagles rides from EA are very important to get very young people acquainted with the idea of an airplane but to follow through on that we need to get it into their education not just so that they go and take a flight lesson here and there on the weekends but that they get an aviation education if that's their calling in life and we have programs or that is to say Sun and Fun sponsors programs starting from junior high school I mean there are there are programs during the summer for young kids as well but more rigorous programs junior high high school and tr and there are some affiliations with collegiate programs that you're familiar with Carl so it's a it's a lifelong thing take somebody who's interested in it it, it might be a pilot it might be a mechanic anything in the aviation field if that's a potential career path we try to get them young and take them all the way through well, one of the reasons I mentioned that and that it's apropos today is the Youth Aviation Zone here. Not sure if you've checked it out in past years. Just it's, got here. <laughs> he just got here. But they've had it. This is their third year going, and they really are inspiring youth in aviation. And that story, like you're saying, going from high school to college to, say, the airlines or whatever else in aviation, it's terrific. And one of the things that's great about, let's speak about the high school you're talking about, the Central Florida Aerospace Academy, is their incredibly high graduation rates, rates that you would never see at, at, at a regular high school. The other thing too, like you said, in conjunction with collegiate programs, a lot of these folks go on and it's their credits. They have a lot of credits already completed before they get into college. And they've done their flight, their at least their initial flight training and uh, certificates in high school. And we know that a pro one of the problems in a GA has been the dropout rate for people who start GA training uh, under Part 61 at a local FBO or local flight school and don't finish. Of course, the commitment to somebody who's doing it at an aviation high school is much higher, so the completion rates are tremendous compared to the national average. And it's a model that other organizations have tried to pick up. Uh, AOPA is uh, putting some quite, the AOPA Foundation is putting quite a bit of money into um, high school oriented aviation training and you'll see that in the magazine if you're not familiar with it. So so I think the programs that Sun and, the Sun and Fun fly-in raises money to support the programs the programs have been ongoing such as the CFAA high school that you mentioned and it's been a real success story it sure has, and I, I'm so glad that you brought up some of these other organizations, such as AOPA, because I see your Sun and Fun shirt and your hat, but they all work together, and I think that's terrific. We're all pulling in the same direction, just like the youth aviation zone that they have here and all the people that are here inspiring young people to go forward with their careers and their lives. When, whenever you're at a pilot gathering, um, let's say an EAA chapter or your local flying club, and you get a bunch of old guys like us, together <laughs> you know they'll moan and groan that no we're all getting older and how do we get young people into aviation and no aviation is going to wither and die this is not true there these programs that very smart people have created and have run in all the different organizations eaa aopa sun and fun and the aviation center for excellence and there's many many more i'm sure we can't name them all um aviation is doing a very good job at bringing young people into the industry and into the field. It's, it's not true that, it's, that we're all getting older. I mean, we're all getting older, of course, but <laughs> I don't want to deny that part. But the, the community is not aging out. We are, we are doing a very good job at replenishing uh, the pilot supply with young people. And it, it, from a science perspective, from a, a technology perspective, from a career perspective, and you know you know about this from your from career counseling so we do i think we're doing a, a good job are we doing the best job we can you can always improve but i'm really happy to support the efforts such as your flight team sun and fun the the the, the people who make it happen raise the money and show results and we're seeing that permeate the industry we're seeing a a uh, lowering of the ages at events like this one here in Sebring, the U.S. Light Sport Aviation Expo. Why do young folks want to get into flying small airplanes? Well, this is this is where aviation begins. It's here in small airplanes, isn't it? It is. It is. You take them for a ride, see if it engages them. If if you open up a motor, see if they want are interested in the mechanical aspects, and even if they go on to become a car mechanic, that's fine. Um, but let's get them educated on that so that the the young folks don't drift off and not you know become a person who doesn't know what they want to do with their lives gives them a purpose a sense of belonging 
And aviation, we were talking about this, uh, um, I was talking about this, some other pilots yesterday. You can be in a classroom, which is a group setting. And you can be in a training room, which is a group setting. And there are many things you do in groups. But when you're in the airplane, you're the pilot in command. This is one of the first times as a young person that it's all on you. You're up there by yourself, assuming you're soloing. This is you, kid. 15, 16, however many years old you are, and I think you can do it as young as 15 in a glider. This is the first time, maybe, in your life where it's all about you, you're in control, you're in command. I th- isn't that great? I think it's awesome. And it's great, it, it builds your self-esteem, it teaches you how to make decisions. There's so many things in life that you can actually use those skills that you've learned in aviation for in everything in life. One of the things that I think that was great that you touched on is the fact that they start off in these small aircraft, et cetera, is, that, is we're here at the U.S. Sport Aviation Expo in Sebring. Been around 15 years, hats off to them. But one of the things I think that has really turned the volume up on aviation is the fact that they're moving towards youth and aviation here more so at Sebring than I've seen at most places, except for Sun and Fun, of course. And it's really done a great job. I'm so excited about it. I'm... I, I'm I can't wait to see it. Of course, just to the listeners to let you know, Carl grabbed me at the door on my way in, so I haven't seen anything yet. <laughs> well, guys, before you go in, I, I, I'm, I know I'm holding you up, and I had to grab you for, right. for an interview and all, but uh, one of the things that I am this year concentrating on is trying to figure out, you know, as far as the light sport is concerned, you know, why somebody would want to either own one for, say, a flight school or a flying club, that type of thing. And I'd love to hear maybe your opinion as to why somebody would consider it as ownership in a school or in a club. Light sport was created to reduce the barriers to entry to aviation. That was what it was for, uh, created in 2004. A whole new set of rules governing not only piloting, but also maintenance to lower the cost, lower the barriers. And that's why, that's what light sport was made for. And that's why it seems to make sense in a, in a flight club or in a flight school. You have simpler, less expensive airplanes by definition. That doesn't mean they're each one is less expensive, but the door is open for people to build less expensive sport airplanes. The requirements for a pilot license are less onerous. Uh, a, a smaller number of um, flight hours required, a shorter syllabus. And for those who want to become an airplane mechanic, the barrier to entry is lower there too. To become a light sport repairman, which I am, um, the barrier is much lower than to become an airframe or power plant mechanic because you're dealing with smaller, simpler, lighter structures. So the whole world of light sport was an, an open gate to get people in. Less, you don't need a third-class medical. You just need to be able to drive a car and have a driver's license as a medical certification. Um, does it mean that light sport answers every problem and solves you know everything facing GA no of course not but the planes are out there they are inexpensive to purchase they're inexpensive to operate and they're inexpensive to own that's the key I think another thing too that you touched on being simpler is important but that doesn't mean that they don't have advanced technology because some people (laughs) get confused there and I've been asked this a few times some of the stuff I've seen in light sport aircraft I'd love to see on my airliner in terms of the electronics yeah the electronics in my my light sport aircraft cockpit I've got a a G um, G500 or X500 was it X5 5X I can't remember the darn marketing name but the Garmin glass panel system and it's got everything it's got the transponder and ADS-B in and out and radios and comms and everything you can imagine on a modern electronic cockpit is the airplane still a simpler airplane it is a simpler airplane in the sense of we don't have a uh, we don't have retractable landing gear we don't have a variable pitch propeller or so-called constant speed we don't have turbocharged engines normally. So some of the complicating systems that can be added as options on larger airplanes are missing from light sport to give you that entry level. But the electronics are not simple by any stretch. They are as sophisticated as, and probably more sophisticated than most airliners today. Because the, again, the, um, 
the barrier to entry is lower. So for a manufacturer to get an airplane approved and certificated in the light sport world costs less and can be done more quickly than in the Part 23 certified world. Therefore, they can bring newer technology in more quickly. That in the Part 23 certified world, they have to go through a more extensive uh, testing and uh, proving procedure, I guess you could call it. So that, that's why we have sophisticated cockpits. Does it make the plane harder to fly? No, no, it doesn't make the plane harder to fly. There's a little bit more education that goes into learning those systems, but that will pay off in any airplane you fly. Well, I tell you, I'm really excited to see some of the new models that are out there, uh, so, some of the advancements in yep. certain models that are here today and in the avionics, but also in general in the aircraft. Let, let's not scare anybody off. You, you can make, and many manufacturers have made, uh, light sport aircraft with very simple avionics, if that's what you wish. And it depends on the training program. So if you want to just, if you have somebody who just wants to learn to fly, basic flying skills, we can put them in an airplane that just has airspeed, altimeter, basic flight instruments. But if it's somebody who thinks they're gonna move up from light sport into something larger and more complex, well, let's put them in a light sport that has some of that technology in it so they, they start learning it right from the start. So you have both options. One great thing about some of the quote unquote more complex electronics is they're not more complex a lot of times to operate. Uh, some of the, the, the things you do every day are very simple. So It's very automated and, and it's a little too automated for me, but that's, that's a personal <laughs> preference. <laughs> well guys, you know Jim, I am so excited to, to go inside and to go look on the flight line. One more thing. Yeah, one more thing before we run away. I, I just want people to know that light sport aircraft are not always airplanes and on broaden that perspective, you can get started in aviation through light sport in gliders, which are air, airplanes without engines. Don't have to worry about an engine failure in a glider, do you? No, it's already done. <laughs> already done. <laughs> Weight shift control powered hang gliders, powered parachutes. So a bunch of different entry points into light sport if, you're, if you want to do something a little more adventurous than s traditional fixed wing. Well, the great thing is those people you just talked about are exhibiting here today. Here. And, and if you're wanting to look online at Sport Aviation Expo, uh, Light Sport Aircraft, just look up Sebring. You'll find it if you Google it. And uh, we, like I said, we, I can't wait to get inside. Jim, afterwards, maybe we can we talk again after the show and, and discuss what we've, we've seen. Let's do that. Awesome. Well, let's go inside into uh, Light Sport Expo here at uh, Sebring, Florida. This is Carl Valeri with the Stuck Mike Avcast reporting live at U.S. Sport Aviation Expo. Well, folks, this is Carl Valeri with the Stuck Mike Avcast reporting here at the U.S. Aviation Sport, Light Sport Aviation Expo 2019. And guess who I run across? Of course, the most influential, inspirational man in aviation, Jamie Beckett. Welcome, Jamie. Thank you very much, Carl. Always good to see you. Always good to be in Sebring. But I got to correct you a little bit. I learned something this year that I didn't know. It's the U.S. Sport Aviation Expo, not light sport. So, a caravan on floats fits in here. And I got to admit, I made that mistake for years. This is a great show. So U.S. Sport Aviation Expo. And what's, what is sport aviation? It includes the caravans and other types of aircraft, correct? Yeah, basically anything you're flying for the fun, for the recreational nature of it, taking your family on vacation, going on a day trip, just going out to see the sights. Anything that falls under that heading is sport aviation. So it's not light sport, 1,320 pounds, although that fits into it. It's bigger than that. So we see things like the Technum four-seater, the Technum twin here, the Air Cam is here, the Carbon Cub is here. There's a whole bunch of stuff that's not light sport that's terrific. I'm glad they changed the name because those aircraft have been here for years, and, and these are sport air aircraft, and these are not light sport, but things that we have a lot of fun in, that's for sure. And we're doing this as recreation, as a sport, and it is a terrific thing to get into, aviation. You know, one of the things I'm going to put in your head now is one of the focuses this year for our podcast is light sport aircraft, you know, why someone in a club or a flight school would want to purchase one or want to have one in their club. So think about that. If you want to answer it now, you can. Uh, I'm always ready to go, Carl. <laughs> you know me. I actually used to own a legacy light sport of Piper Cub. I had a 1940 J3 Cub, which I foolishly sold to Jason Shepard at M0A. I think I have visitation rights. But, you know, in all honesty, one of the great advantages of a light sport, they're very inexpensive to operate. Whether it's a legacy or whether it's one of the newer ones, 
they're low horsepower engines. They tend to be relatively slow aircraft, but very easy to deal with. And because of the low operating costs, it makes it much more accessible to the average person where you're not looking at $150, $200 an hour. You might be down in the $45, $50 an hour range, and that's something that's doable. A lot of times when we think lower cost, we think older airplanes, but these are brand new aircraft, aren't they? Yeah, actually, that's that's the trade-off. On a brand new airplane, the purchase price is higher, but you know some of these new engines and the avionics they come from, you've seen some of these panels. Oh, my goodness. I mean, you get a panel in a light sport, and it, it's something that the airlines wish they had. These things are fantastic. Well, I'm really jealous of those panels when I'm sitting in my airliner flying in because their their maps are much better. They have so many more things that they can look at, more information that they can pull up that I ever could. And hopefully that trend will go towards the airlines. Amazing that I'm saying that, isn't it? I, I'm very heartened to hear that, Carl. Yeah, Jamie, you're here today. You're speaking to people on, on with many different hats on, but primarily with AOPA. Tell us a little bit about your role with AOPA and what AOPA is doing to promote general aviation and the sport aviation. Sure. Um, I'm actually very proud to be involved with AOPA. As you know, I run around the state of Florida. There are five people like me, ambassadors around the United States. And our whole role is to help facilitate people getting into aviation, staying in aviation for the long haul, and making it really satisfying. So basically, I work for the You Can Fly section of of AOPA, which Mark Baker and Katie Pribble pioneered. Five years ago, they brought it in, and it's it's just been great. We deal with flight schools because, as you know, there's about an 80% dropout rate in flight training, and that's indicative of a problem. That's not the point of finger at anybody, but we can up our game and get that that success rate up, which makes more people successful at becoming pilots. We do a lot of work helping people form and operate flying clubs in a way that both the IRS and the FAA will be really happy. That's the way they want to see it. We get involved with the Rusty Pilot Program, as you know, is tremendously successful. Thousands of people back current again. And I'm doing one right here on Friday at 1 o'clock in the show center tent. It's going to be great. And the, the thing I'm really excited about that I'm just peripherally involved in is the high school program. We have a STEM curriculum that we will give any high school, public, private, homeschool, whatever, it's free. You want that curriculum, you can use it. Right down south here in Lake, in Lake Placid, they use it. And those kids use the EAA chapter building here at Sebring as their lab. They're building an air camp for Story Musgrave. Uh, and I'm, I'm not even sure all these kids understand who this guy is walking around their hangar. But someday they're going to look back and go, oh, my goodness, I was working with the guy who fixed the Hubble. <laughs> it's just it's, it's one of the few things I think you get to do in your life where my career actually impacts people. I get to be at places like this, talk to people face-to-face, -face, answer any question they've got. I'm just here to be a resource. And the great thing is the way you can fly is set up. The work the ambassadors do, it costs nothing to the user. So whether we come to a rusty pilot at your, at your flight school, if we help you form a flying club, if we come talk to your high school or college group, there's no cost to you. It's just we're there to help. The Rusty Pilots program is, uh, most people would think it's for people that have been out of flying for years, but that's not totally true. One of the things I think that's really cool is you have people who have been flying many, many hours, some fly 80 to 100 hours a month, that are coming to a Rusty Pilots program, if you know who I'm talking about. Those are people like me who haven't flared a, a 172 in a long time. Tell us a little bit about that program, because there's a lot of folks listening now that are looking at a light sport that are, say, airline pilots that... Mm, they feel a little uncomfortable sometimes going to a Rusty Pilots program. You know, that's one of the great overlooked things. I have a good friend who's in, in my flying club, but he came from a Navy background. He flew off ships, very proficient, very highly trained guy, but no experience with non-towered airports, not a clue how to get from the hangar to the runway and into the air. That Rusty Pilot program is, is great for people like that if you're airline or military background or you haven't flown in 30 years. It really gets you up to speed on how does this work. We do a scenario-based flight from Sarasota, Bradenton, Florida, right here to Sebring, Florida, then up to Kissimmee. And it seems random, perhaps, but the reality is you cover every type of airspace except Alpha. You make all the decisions that go into cross-country flight planning. You look at weather and weight and balance and all the things you've got to deal with. And we do it in a way that's entertaining, and I'm telling you, it's three hours, but it flies by. I've had people come back three, four times just saying, I learn something new every time. 
So you have these seminars, and now I go back to my home airport. Is there any other help that I could get in through this Rusty Pilot program to find an instructor to help me get back into aviation? Well, we almost always do the Rusty Pilots in conjunction with a flight school or a flying club or both. So right there on the spot, you've got help. If you're from someplace else, and as you know, here in Florida, we get a lot of people. You know, the, mm -hmm. the group I just talked to, people were from Texas, California, Ohio. I'll give you my card. We all will. You have a contact through us. We'll help find you the resources you need for exactly that. When you get home, connect with somebody and get started on that process. We're, we never leave you hanging. We'll find a way to help you out. The You Can Fly program is awesome. It gets people back into aviation, the roots of aviation. Some of these folks haven't flown in 20 years, 30 years, et cetera, both people that are airline pilots and people that have let it go as a hobby, and I think that's terrific. One of the things that's cool about AOPA, and hats off, by the way, this year of reaching that million-dollar goal with scholarships, is the fact that they do give money away to people that are looking to further their experiences in aviation. Notice I said experiences, not just careers, because usually we think of scholarships just for people with careers that's not true is it oh no not at all and our goal is not just to get people involved so they solo or get their ticket and put a gold star on the refrigerator the goal is to get you involved in aviation in a long-term way so you see the effects it can have on your life and and it's not just true of AOPA but people all throughout the industry you find people who are bankers and architects and all sorts of things, but they got their private pilot's license when they were kids or when they were in their 20s or 30s. And it changed their world because all of a sudden now, going 400 miles away isn't some obstacle that you can't overcome. You know, I, I have a lot of friends who obviously don't fly and know I'm a pilot, and they get a huge kick out of, just recently I, I flew down to Key West to meet up with the kids at the Key West High School who have started an aviation club, have lunch, fly home. I still have work day left. It's a nine-hour drive, Carl. Yeah. It's a two-hour flight. So it's an amazing thing that, you know, it really does change your life, open up avenues. If you make it a career, great. You and I both have done that, and we've been very happy. But if it's just a hobby, if it's just something that enriches your life, you take pride in, and it gives you some status or sense of satisfaction, good for you. We'll, we'll find the help. And you're right. Those scholarships are out there. And, of course, I, I tend to peek blah, blah, blah. I tell people all the time, there's this ebook out there by this guy named Carl Valeri, and it's like $9.95, and it's all these scholarships. It's the best investment you can make. Well, thanks. I appreciate that, that plug for our scholarships guide. As a matter of fact, we've changed it, so it's an online directory, and every month we update it, amazingly enough. It's only $10 for access for the whole year. If you do buy the ebook on Amazon, we'll give you free access for a year. As a matter of fact, most people are going to that guide online. One of the things that I found is that there's so many people that want to give more and more money to help people to further not just their careers, but their flying experiences. AOPA can help them in doing that. If you have the money, you guys can help, right? You mean if if you oh yeah um, the you can fly program and I'm very proud of this is not supported by by member dollars it's supported by donors people who say I want to make a difference and and I do this myself I contribute myself to the program um, if you want to throw a couple bucks in the bucket and help you can fly reach more people provide more scholarships whatever there's somebody at AOPA who's very happy to talk to you about that absolutely Carl. I'm glad you brought that up and you, you, I led you down that path. It's really important for me to know that my dollars are going directly to these initiatives. That's important for anybody that's donating to any type of organization. And I love the fact that they are very transparent on that. And that's one, one thing that's been wonderful. Katie Pribble has been a great person too. To, to, you know, they, she's wonderful in spearheading this movement. And she is so inspirational with the, the, the kids out there. She's been an airline pilot. She's also, I see her all the time in the little airplanes, et cetera. One thing you touched on though is that if you fly for a living, you fly for fun, but there's people that do both, and she's one. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Katie flies a, a 180, which yeah. is just a beautiful machine. She, uh, Her family has a ranch. She, they actually cut a little runway out of the ranch, and she flies back home. You know, you're right. It is interesting the number of people you meet who are an airline pilot in the day, mm -hmm. and they're a recreational pilot and flying around into grass strips or out into the outback or whatever. I think sometimes we forget it's not really about the money, it's the lifestyle. It's the experience we get to have. And I have never taken somebody flying who was like, I hate this. I've taken people who are really nervous and they're like, oh, that was the most amazing experience ever. So I love it, you love it, let's, let's spread the word. 
It's interesting, though, how we do split up that flying. People ask me, how can you go fly afterwards? The flying is totally different, uh, what I do recreationally, than what I do at my job. Believe me, I love my job. I see amazing sunsets, sunrises, and go to some incredible places. But you touched on something that's really interesting. Why would I fly a small airplane? Even as an airline pilot, I can fly for free to so many airports. Mm -hmm. There's a whole bunch of airports I can't get to on an airline. And that thing, that machine, I like to call it a time machine you were talking about. I can get from where I am in Lakeland to Key West very quickly as compared to going to the airport, going through a TSA, and, and, and getting searched from head to toe. I just walk out there, get in the airplane, and fly down. Oh, yeah. You know, I think one of the things that most people aren't aware of is there's a few hundred commercial airports in America. And, and you know, they're within a reasonable commute for most of us. But there are thousands of public use general aviation airports or private airports. I've, like you, I've got friends who live on a grass strip way out in the woods. And you, you just fly in and taxi up to the house, knock on the door. Hey, how you doing? The places you can go, the things you can do, the things you can see, and, and you've probably had this experience. I've always been a fan of flying in Florida, and every place has its own unique thing. You can fly off the east coast of Florida going to Key West and ask for at or below 500 feet and get it. And you're just off the beach headed south, 400 feet off the water. It is the most beautiful flight in the world. I've, I did it with my wife years ago, and it just totally transformed her view of flying this is a remarkable experience. It's not just kind of cool. It's life affirming. And it's, it's, you don't get that with anything else. No, you truly don't. It is. It's something that changes lives when I take them up into the air, in the air with any kind of an airplane, a big one, a small one, etc. So AOPA is doing a lot here at Sebring, and it's great to have you here. But you know, some of the people who are listening right now are actually online, and they would love to find out more about the programs you're talking about. Where would they find that? You know, if you just Google AOPA, you can fly, or Google Rusty Pilot, whatever's pertinent to you, it's right there. Um, I'll tell you right now, my phone number is 863-224-2133. Call me, uh, jamie.beckett at aopa.org. If you're in California, Kay Sundrum can help you. If you're in Texas, Pat Brown can do it. If you're up in the Midwest, Andy Miller will take care of you. And if you're in New York, New England, Norm Eisler. If you're in some way out in the middle of nowhere place, we got folks back at headquarters. So seriously, if, if nothing else, call the main number at AOPA. Just call them up and say, hey, I'm here. I need some help with this. What can you do for me? Somebody will get in touch with you. We'll take care of it. One more thing we should mention, too, is that AOPA is now reaching out to us, not just seminars, et cetera. They're having these really cool things, these fly-ins. And I've been to many of them, and they've been incredible events. Not only are you there speaking and inspiring many aviators, but there's people in all different walks of life there, just like here at the Sebring uh, U.S. Sport Aviation Expo. It's something that really inspires people, teaches people, and is a resource for folks. That, too, they can find out on the website aopa.org, correct? Oh, yeah. We, we list the fly-ins. There will be three of them this year. The one for the southeast will be in Tullahoma, Tennessee, and I am going to that. And I'm excited because I've never been to Tullahoma, Tennessee. The great thing is, Carl, we used to hold these huge national conventions, east coast, west coast, back and forth, occasionally in the middle. We find we reach many more people by holding these smaller regional fly-ins where it's a reasonable drive. You'll bring your whole family where you wouldn't bring your whole family to the opposite coast. It's a great time. It really is a family-friendly thing. People camp under the wing. People stay in the local hotel. Some people just come for the day. It's absolutely great, and there's no way you can go and walk away saying, well, there was nothing there that interested me. There's no way that could happen. <laughs> Well, Jamie Beckett, it's a You Can Fly initiative, an ambassador, truly an ambassador for aviation in general. It's always wonderful speaking with you. And again, they can find you easily on the internet. But, you know, what would you tell somebody that's now, you know, hesitant about getting into aviation or just now thinking about it? And, you know, they, they kind of on the fence. They're not so sure. They might come out to a show, et cetera. What would you tell that person about aviation to inspire them to come here today? You know, it, I've dealt with that myself, in all honesty, when I was younger. Whatever you think your limitation is, it's not as big as you think it is. If it's the money, if it's the fear of heights, and I'm terrified of heights, and I've been flying 30 years, uh, whatever your, your issue is, if it's a physical issue that you think will hold you back, the odds are exceptionally good that's not true. Come out here, you get to network, you talk to people. You know, I was just talking to a group of guys who had a variety of questions about getting back into aviation and what got them out of it and not a single one of them 
the thing they thought was the hurdle, it's not a hurdle. Mm-hmm. Just, just come on back. So it doesn't matter if you're 15 or you're 92. If you want to do this, come on out to an air show near you. Talk to the folks you meet. Have a Coke and a burger. Enjoy the show and go home knowing I could do that if I want to. The, there's scholarships out there. There's mentors out there. There's help out there. There's a medical examiner who will help me deal with whatever my problem is. If you want to do this, odds are exceptionally good you can do this. And those resources are available at AOPA.org. Talking to Jamie Beckett. Hey, Jamie, let's go check out some airplanes. What do you think? Oh, I can't wait. Let's do this. <laughs> well, Carl Valeri here with the Stuck Mike Avcast reporting live at U.S. Sport Aviation Expo 2019. 15 years. What a wonderful event this has been. We can't to see, wait to see another 15 years. Well, folks, Carl Valeri here at uh, Spree Seabrings. Sport Aviation Expo 2019, and I'm here with Dylan Vogel in front of a really cool Icon A5. Well, if you don't know what an Icon A5 is, it's kind of like the Swiss Army knife, I feel, of airplanes. It can do everything, land on the water, it land on a runway, it can land in the grass, but it also folds up and you can trailer it behind your, your vehicle. Dylan, hey, welcome to the podcast, and man, this is such a cool aircraft. Yeah, hey, Carl, thanks. I appreciate it. So the Icon A5, you know, I, I talk about it my terms of being a, kind of the Swiss Army knife. What If someone's looking at this, it, it's really cool. There's some very unique things about this aircraft. If you're looking to get into aviation, you're looking to buy an aircraft, why would they look towards the A5? You know, everything about this airplane is intentional. Uh, you know, we designed it to be a, a, a total consumer aircraft. Um, what's really going to attract people to this airplane, not only just the design, the way it looks, but... Our folding wing technology, you know, it's about 20 seconds each side. You can do it by yourself. Uh, it'll allow you to, to take this airplane uh, on different mission profiles. You can take it to your, uh, your hangar, your garage, if it's in a one-car garage without any problem whatsoever. Uh, you know, our C-wing is probably our biggest distinguishing factor amongst the, the amphibians. We're very stable. You can get out onto the platform and up on the wing when you're on the water, which is a really surreal experience that you get, you don't really get on um, on other aircraft. Um, and then it's just relatability. It, it feels like an automobile on the inside. It's sleek. It's designed on purpose to to make you feel comfortable and and enjoy the the outside environment of an airplane rather than the cockpit management side of an airplane. Oh, I tell you, by looking at inside the aircraft right now, you feel like you're next to a sports car that's for sure so the design is absolutely terrific yeah i appreciate that a lot of our design cues for the interior came from lotus bmw rolls royce um, nissan we, we we went out into the industries that were successful with their customers and in their you know their design phases of their technology and, and their product and and really tried to take that to disrupt the typical cockpit layout uh, of a normal light sport or even a general aviation airplane so this is a light sport, so if I want to actually go fly this, what type of uh, certificate do I need? You would start out traditionally with a sport pilot's license. Um, that's the minimum requirement that you would need to fly this. That obviously has its limitations on the, the, the privileges of that license, but it's VFR night rated as well. Uh, so if you are a private pilot, you can take this into the busier airspaces, take it to the Bahamas. Uh, you can go into that, uh, you know, that different mission profile of the airplane. But realistically, that 20-hour minimum is all you need. Uh, we do the single-engine C endorsement uh, in Tampa and in California currently. Uh, so you can really uh, go from zero to pilot in less than about a month. Wow, and let's talk a little bit about cost of operation. I know it's a newer aircraft and, uh, you know, price point we're looking at about what and also about how much per hour. So we sell the airplane for $389,000. That's going to be hand-built, delivered out from California. That airplane price is going to include all of our options currently. We don't de-option an aircraft um, at all. Uh, So you're getting the folding wings, the uh, C-wing platform, retractable gear, parachute system, spin-resistant airframe, all of the things that make this airplane really what it is are included in in that price. So let's go back to what you just said. Those are safety features. One thing I do like when you're trying to sell it to your spouse, uh, to your significant other, is the safety of the Icon. Spin resistance. Let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, spins. Is it hard to get into? It's, uh, it's very, very challenging to enter a spin with this airplane. I can't tell you that it is spin proof, but it is certified spin resistant. That's the only airplane certified by the FAA to be spin resistant. And that says a lot, too. And not only that, there's something that I think is a little bit newer. I don't think it came out with this, is, is the parachute. Is that something fairly new? 
so uh, everybody kind of is familiar with Cirrus aircraft and their their ballistic rocket system. We adopted that technology from them to be able to put the peace of mind for the non-pilot in the airplane. Most pilots understand the uh, engine out situations and, and glide ratios and things like that to, to find an airfield or a, a place to put the plane down in any aircraft. The beautiful thing about us is if you need that parachute, it's there. Um, but also being an amphibian opens up more space to land on lakes and, and golf courses and, and you name it, streams, intercoastals, everywhere. It allows you to fly safer and fly with more peace of mind. The other feature that I see that's new uh, to me in the icon is also, you know, we talk about not exceeding the critical angle of attack. You have a new angle of attack indicator that I think is a little more intuitive to somebody, I feel. Yeah, so the angle of attack is probably the biggest thing about this airplane that makes it safe. The spin resistance is part of your training. Uh, you know, we're, you're not taught to, to enter a spin and, or you're taught to how to recover from a spin at some level of training. But that angle of attack gauge gives you the instant health of the wing. Uh, so at any bank angle, at any airspeed, at a climb, at a descent, at different load factors, it's giving you real-time health of the wing, which is priceless when you're flying. So let's talk a little bit more about the flying characteristics of this. It's got it's safe. It's got to be fun too. That's the biggest thing. I mean, the handling characteristics, uh, the stall characteristics, those type of things. Talk a little towards that. Yeah, there's absolutely nothing like flying this airplane. You, it, I can tell you until I'm blue in the face what it's actually like. But yeah, I recommend going for a demo flight in it. When you're flying low over the water and you you can smell the salt, you fly over the orange groves, you smell the oranges, you can experience uh, a different level of flight that you're not really used to, to getting. Uh, you'll get sunburn if you don't have sunscreen. You'll get wet if you don't have the, the windows in. This is a immersive experience uh, airplane. You know, you're really challenging your senses while you're flying it. And, and it is benign stall characteristics. It's very, very stable, very responsive in the controls. Um, it, it's just really hard to describe this airplane unless you fly it. So if I want to go fly it, how do I arrange that? Yeah, we do the sport flight introductory flights out of Tampa at Peter O'Knight Airport. We do our demo profile flights um, at you know different regional events that we're always posting on our social media pages and our website of where we're going to be and when we're going to be there. Um, and you know you can always uh, reach out on the website at uh, you know different engagements to to schedule those those flights. And of course, uh, the website where you can find Icon Aircraft. IconAircraft.com. IconAircraft.com. Not only that, I really would encourage people to go out and check out what Janessa Duffy's doing, what Olivia's doing. Janessa's been awesome out there posting on social media. Just one of the things that I think people have to realize with an airplane is that it opens a whole new world. And her world is what I want to have. She goes to some of the most amazing places. I'm sure you've been there also. Yeah, you, you can imagine just going out to the Bahamas and island hopping through the ex chain of Exumas with, with an airplane with no windows in it. And now you said no windows, but is there an option to place some windows in there? Yeah, the windows come with it. It's a, it's a standard feature. The single arm, you just pop them out with your fingers. They, they go right in, right out. You don't do it during flight, obviously, but you, uh, you can store them right behind the seat. So if you're flying from different climates or if you're flying in different conditions, it's very simple to, to use. One thing I, it's, I guess, appealing to some folks is the trailability of this, but uh, do you need a special kind of trailer to be able to pull this aircraft? Uh, yeah, so the trailer that we use to tow the airplane is custom designed to fit the A5. They're fully production trailers. Uh, they're in a second version of its design, so we've worked out all of the kinks with the, with the trailer. It's beautiful. It's, it looks great with the airplane, um, and they're, they're available to purchase with the airplane as well. Cool, cool. And I'm so glad to see you guys here at Sebring again and seeing all the different air shows. Uh, one of the things that I think people don't realize is, you know, this this is something that is, I think, revolutionary. And you can actually be a part of this. And this is something that is reachable and you, you can attain this goal. I'm sure you've seen a lot of people just reach their dreams and meet them. Yeah, we, we've had uh, folks come up to us with absolutely no pilot training whatsoever, and they go straight to contract, uh, and they have their sport pilot's license within a couple of months, and that's a beautiful thing. And that's that's really the beautiful part about being out here at Sebring today and, you know, with this show and other other air shows is that that light sport category has really democratized flight for a lot of folks that either can't fly anymore based on medical things or don't have the money to get into aviation. But uh, when you're able to have all these options in front of you in, in one place and see the, the different levels of, of build and, and options and, and you know, pricing, it, it's, it's invaluable. And it's also, it's also a lot of fun. <laughs> I think that's it. Who's your primary customer when you are selling this? 
we, you know, I wish I could tell you that we actually had it nailed down because we get a lot of uh, a lot of everybody. I would say most of our our customers are people that are out there looking for a little bit of fun, a little bit of adventure. You know, somebody that, that is keen to go out and fly to a remote area or fly over the the property that they own. You know, it, it's literally a mix of everybody. Well, Dylan, anything else you want to tell us about the Icon aircraft, maybe uh, where they can find you on the Internet? Yeah, so I'm available um, on Instagram. My uh, Instagram name is Dylan's Twin Bro. Um, and if, if you are interested in, in, in the aircraft and purchasing the aircraft, I can help you with that. They are in full production now, so you're looking at about... Uh, from start to finish roughly a three to four month build out time so the all the rumors on the internet about the year and two year and three year long waits they're uh, they're just rumors yeah three to four months that's not much at all uh, but and especially for an aircraft this you know really beautiful looking but uh, the one thing I forgot to ask you about as far as uh, moving the wings and I think you touched on it a little bit uh, I could do it myself right I could actually fold the wings yeah, so I can actually do a wing fold for you right now, and you can you could speak to it if you want. It's it's really simple. The real time nature of this wing fold about 20, 25 seconds. Awesome, and anybody can do it, no matter what size you are. Anybody can do it. A girl in heels can do it. <laughs> I like that. Well, anyway, Dylan, this has been so terrific talking to you. It's great having you here at Sebring. Uh, we'll hopefully see you at some other air shows. Again, you can find them at iconaircraft.com. And don't forget to check out the Instagram pages, the YouTube channels of all the people that are involved in Icon, truly people that are passionate about aviation. Thanks so much for talking to us today, Dylan. Absolutely, Carl. I uh, look forward to, to seeing you again at more air shows. <laughs> Awesome. It's Carl Valeri reporting for Stuck Mike Avcast here at 2019 U.S. Sport Aviation Expo. Well, folks, Carl Valeri with the Stuck Mike Avcast here at Sport Aviation Expo 2019. I'm here with Brent Howe of the Sebring Flight Academy and at the, actually, Bristel booth. And this Bristel booth is pretty cool. They have some amazing aircraft. We talked to them in years past. But Sebring Flight Academy, let's talk a little bit about you and your partnership with Bristel. Welcome to the podcast, Brent. Yes, thanks, Carl. Good for being here. So Sebring Flight Academy um, has kind of a novel approach here, and what we're hoping is going to help us kind of meet the demand for pilots uh, in the future going forward here. Using exclusively the Bristel aircraft, um, along with uh, a Redbird full motion simulator here, okay, to really help uh, uh, folks who are interested in making a career out of this here to go through an accelerated program at an affordable cost, Carl. And so here at Sebring, the choice was because of the affordable cost, not just in the place, but also the aircraft. Talk a little bit about the aircraft first. Sure, sure. Uh, as most flight schools that have been around for any length of time have experienced, Cessnas, Cherokees, all wonderful training aircraft, but the fleet is aging, maintenance costs are higher on them. And we have found with Bristel that um, we're able to fly uh, longer periods of time with a less major uh, maintenance commitment required on them. Things like uh, Behringer wheels, uh, sealed wheel bearings on there that allows us to kind of uh, reduce the cost of overall training because of those maintenance issues. So Sebring Flight Academy is, there's a lot of people that are learning to fly for careers and this is a light sport. How does that play into their going forward in their aviation career? Is that going to hold them back in any way? Some people might think because it's a light sport, that means I can't go on to become a commercial pilot. No, absolutely, totally different from that. As a matter of fact, the Bristel is recognized by the FAA as a technically advanced aircraft, Carl. That allows us to do the complex requirements uh, the FAA needs. Yes. So when they go for the commercial check ride, they don't have to have that complex aircraft. Absolutely. In addition to that, this Redbird simulator, you can log 50 hours towards your commercial rating in the simulator. When I walked in the door, I noticed that there was a simulator there, the Redbird. Uh, that is a, an incredible device to help people, especially with their instrument rating. You can spend so much time in that, do so many approaches, as opposed to, you know, burning gas. Absolutely, absolutely. It's a great tool. And for primary training, we found it's a great tool for crosswind techniques and those types of things. So the package that we've put together here um, includes housing and financing, which is very important for folks that want to uh, not kind of piecemeal this thing out, but truly uh, engage themselves in a full-time program. And the financing is very important because, you know, most people, they give up because they don't realize how expensive it is. I think the fact that you're here in Central Florida does save them a lot. You have that package. How would they go about financing? Is it through you folks? 
It absolutely is. It's through the Mancuso Group here, and we'd be happy to chat with anybody and their needs on that, along with the housing. Um, we also have kind of developed a program where to obtain your light sport instructor certificate, 150 hours is required. So a student is able to come in, get his light sport certificate instructor rating right away, start generating some income to offset those costs. So that's a lot different than going out and getting your commercial license regularly, which is going to save you money and time. Absolutely. So with 150 hours, you're going to be mentored to become a, a instructor there. As you're building your time and your resume, you're being paid for that. You know, we truly are having a, a pilot shortage that's been going on for years. Finally, it's caught up to the rest of the industry. And I think it's great that you are doing that. You're moving forward and helping people obtain their goals and their careers. But how do they find out about this, this academy? Sure, sure. The easiest way is right through our website, and that's www.sebringflightacademy.com. Sebring Flight Academy. And, uh, you know, one of the most important things for a student is to know that possibly there's a job in the future. You know, how about the career progression after getting their certificates here? Yes, we have a, a great association with uh, the airlines there. We've got some recruiters we've been working with here uh, where we're able to kind of offer at least uh, an interview with some of these regional airlines there. Awesome. So they can actually come here and you actually will have the airlines come to the campus, interview, and they can have a possible job later on. How about the person that wants to build hours? How would they build their hours? Sure. The, the best way of doing that probably is through our instructor mentoring program there. Again, with that light sport, 150 hours there. 200, 250 goes very quickly when you're making $20, $25 an hour generating some income doing it. So. Well, how about, uh, I know we're here in Sebring. I love Sebring and uh, Central Florida region. Someone who's coming here to school, they want to go out and do some other things, uh, recreation. I mean, you, you probably live in the area. Do you like it here in Sebring? Oh, absolutely. Um, the airport environment in itself is a great training environment. We've got multiple runways, all the services you could possibly want, uh, an uncontrolled airspace here at Sebring. But when we want to go out and get some of that more complicated airspace, we have Tampa, Orlando here very close to us. Central Florida has uh, some beautiful lakes here. Uh, for our cadets and our students here, we have um, uh, seaplanes that we like to go out and just give them some fun time in a seaplane. We also have some sailing machines that we go out on here to give them a day off uh, and go out and enjoy the, enjoy the weather. So the aircraft that they're going to, okay, so they get their private, their instrument rating, you do a lot of work on the sim. Now they're going to go on to use what aircraft for the instrument, the Bristel also? The Bristel also, yes, coupled with the uh, Redbird. Coupled with the Redbird. So that saves them a lot of time and money there in that they don't have to be in the airplane all the time. Absolutely, absolutely. And with the modern uh, Garmin uh, uh, G3X touchscreens we have, coupled autopilots, it is uh, literally a complex airplane. So flying the old arrows and everything that we've had to do for so many years isn't necessary anymore. That's terrific. That saves you a lot of time and, and effort. Well, Brent, is there anything else you want us to know about uh, Sebring Flight Academy or how they can get in touch with you? Again, SebringFlightAcademy.com. We're having a, a great uh, showing here at the Expo, and anybody that has any questions, feel free to reach out to us. Yeah, don't forget to come visit them if you're in Sebring. You know, you want to go to the restaurant here, have a bite to eat. They're right next door there. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. Okay. Well, thanks so much for talking to us here at the Stuck Mike Avcast. Thank you, Carl. Good talking with you. Carl Valeria, the Stuck Mike Avcast at 2019 U.S. Sport Aviation Expo. Sebring Flight Academy. It's a beautiful day to fly. Well, it's always a beautiful day to fly here in Central Florida. That's probably why you want to get your rating here. Well, folks, Carl Valeri with the Stuck Mike Avcast here at the 2019 U.S. Sport Aviation Expo. Greg Ellsworth with Aviation Insurance Resources and uh, somebody who's a friend of the podcast. Of course, you know Victoria Newville. She's a co-host on our podcast, and, and she's been with you folks for quite some time. Greg, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. You know, we're here inside again this year at the Sport Aviation Expo. You're a speaker this year talking about aviation insurance. First of all, before we talk about insurance, what is it that you folks do at Aviation Insurance Resources? Well, we insure pretty much all aviation risks uh, from the experimental aircraft up to your turbine uh, equipment, corporate flown aircraft. We insure flying clubs, flight schools, airports, the property on the airports. So just about everything aviation. The only thing we don't is true ultralights. If they're not N-numbered, our markets just won't quote ultralights. Gotcha. But everything from uh, 
from there on, you know, we, we do. So one of the things that's important to someone who's involved in purchasing insurance is service. You know, I, I know I have questions. We were talking right before this, and I need answers to those questions from an individual usually. I know you can go online and stuff like that, get quotes, but the, the one thing that I think differentiates you is that there's somebody at the other end of that phone line. Yeah, when you call us, you're going to get a real person. You're not going to get an answering service. And if you have questions about your policy, we'll answer those questions. Uh, so anything from making policy changes to just general questions or quotes for new purchases, we're there for you. So you're here at the U.S. Sport Aviation Expo. A lot of people think of light sport, but it's not just about light sport. It's about all kind of sport aircraft, certified aircraft, etc. But if somebody's looking to do uh, experimental LSA, uh, special light sport, you know, you actually can insure all those. Yes, we can. Um, we have plenty of markets. We have about uh, at least 16 companies that we use. And depending on the make and model, we may have anywhere from 10 companies quoting that make and model, but maybe only one or two. So it depends on the pilot experience and the make and model of the aircraft. I'm looking at buying an airplane, uh, and if I'm looking at the cost of insurance, say before I actually purchase it, how would I find out maybe kind of a, an average cost of the insurance? The best thing to do is call us. Uh, we'll get your basic information. Uh, what we need to know is your, your pilot experience, and if it's a fixed gear, uh, tri-gear airplane, we're just going to ask for your total time, time and make and model if you have any. Hours flown in the last 12 months just to get a feel for your currency. Uh, then of course the make and model and from there we can check the companies and of course the value is, is a big factor. But we'll check all the companies to see who has the best terms. Not just premium but also coverage terms. Is there something I can do as a pilot to possibly bring my rates down or make me eligible for certain types of insurance? Well, the first thing is, which I always encourage uh, um, someone that's looking to purchase a light sport or any aircraft for the first time, if they're a student pilot, I really try to steer them clear of an experimental. Most of the markets that we use really aren't too receptive to insuring student pilots in experimental aircraft. So if it's a light sport, I really try to steer them in the SLSA model, makes and models. So another thing that people are getting interested in is uh, doing, you know, some of the drones and also their airplane and that type of thing. Uh, can I come to you for my insurance on my drone also? Sure can. Uh, we've been insuring dro drones since uh, they've been, been, it's been, what, a couple years maybe? It's been most popular. Um, I personally don't insure many drones. I, I have, but a lot of that is automated right on our website. They can purchase that coverage right from the website. Um, some of the heavier drones and some special operations will uh, talk to those people to find out how they're being used, what makes and models, and we'll kind of um, approach it just as if it was an aircraft that we're insuring. So me as now I'm a renter and I'm thinking about insurance, uh, why would I need, and I hear talk about this, I need renter's insurance, why, why would I need that? Well, if you, you know, while you're receiving dual flight instruction, you may not need a, a non-owner policy during the dual inst instruction phase, but as soon as you're uh, approved for solo flight and now you're the sole PIC, um, let's say you have an accident, you're now liable for any bodily injury, property damage, or damage to that airplane. While the flight school may have their insurance, uh, their insurance isn't necessarily going to protect you. So if an injured party sues both you and the flight school, the flight school's policy is going to protect them. But that's why you need a non-owner policy to protect yourself. Gotcha. And there's certain requirements, I guess, in some schools where you have to have that insurance, right? That's right. Some schools do require it. Uh, so you, part of the uh, rental agreement 
It should specify what they require you to carry. If the rental agreement is silent and doesn't mention it, doesn't necessarily mean you don't need insurance. It just means you're pretty much liable for, for everything. So if I'm also uh, going out and say I'm a flight instructor, I want to instruct in somebody's aircraft, or once I meet two, that someone owns, uh, is that something I would need insurance for? Yes, uh, and we do have non-owned aircraft policies for CFIs, and uh, that's available right on our website. They can either type just the regular non-owned policy or the CFI non-owned policy. It can be purchased right on our website at uh, air-pros.com. Air-pros.com, and you can get all sorts of information there, but the cool thing is you can actually talk to somebody like yourself and ask these questions that I'm asking you. Yeah, and I really encourage that because we can talk to um, the, the customer, find out what they're flying, and, and we can kind of help them make a decision as to what limits that perhaps they should carry. One of the things that's important to me as a pilot is that I'm talking to people that understand my language and the industry. Uh, do people at your insurance company have their pilot certificates? Yeah, we all do. Um, some are private pilots like myself. Others are commercial and CFIs. Uh, so, yeah, all of us are private pilots or better. <laughs> Interesting. I noticed the values of planes have been going up. There's different things in the industry. Is there anything uh, new or anything different in the insurance side of the business this year or that you see in the future? What we're finding this year especially is a lot of changes in rates um, a lot of changes in the underwriting. The underwriters are tightening their underwriting belt and being more, uh, I'll say, picky on the risks that they're accepting. Uh, years ago, the last 10 years, we've really seen a flat industry from the insurance standpoint. Rates were um, be, are reducing over the last 10 years. Uh, the underwriters were more flexible, requiring less training just so that they could retain business or write new business. But in the last two years, um, the insurance carriers have taken on uh, more losses. And um, so they're, they're, they're really targeting uh, training. They're gonna be um, more, uh, there's going to be more requirements on pilots transitioning uh, into light sport or transitioning into retracks or tailwheels or multi-engines and they're trying to increase the rates so even more it's even more important right now to make sure you're working with an aviation um, uh, with an agent who specializes in aviation because we have access to all the markets and we're going to do the best we can so it's interesting you said that some of the is driving some of the prices up i guess somebody who's looking to save money on insurance and looking at different airplanes uh, is it still true that like a Cessna a fixed wing would be probably the cheapest to insure? Yeah, Cessna 150s, 152s, 172s, the PA-28 fixed gear models. You know, there's so many of those aircraft and they can be repaired efficiently. And so they are the best uh, rates available. I wonder, it seems that the accident rates are going down and the insurance rates are going up. Uh, is it, I'm curious, maybe you can't answer this question, but I wonder why the rates are going up. Primarily the loss ratio and also from what we hear from the insurance carriers is that their cost of reinsurance is increasing. So they have to pass those expenses on to the uh, insureds. And if reinsurance is basically insurance for insurance companies, it helps them manage their risk. You know, there's a lot of new aircraft out here, and uh, sometimes you, know, you look at it and say, wow, I could afford that. I might as well go buy one. But I think it's important to find out if you can actually get insurance on that aircraft because I have seen that happen in the past. I'm not sure if you've run across that where people have purchased an aircraft and realized, oh, no, I can't actually fly this, fly it by myself after I get my rating. I have had those calls where someone has called for insurance after they've purchased and have been surprised. You know, so I certainly recommend to give us a call so that we can get it quoted before you make that buying decision. And it doesn't take that long to get it quoted. Yeah, and I, I think that's really important is it just takes, uh, like I gave you folks an end number and you came up with insurance with an hours. 
Yeah, just if you're already experienced, um, we could have numbers for you immediately. Uh, other cases where a transition pilot into a retractor tailwheel, some of those require an, uh, a manual underwriter review, and that may take a day just to get all our quotes back. So I, I would assume that's where you're seeing that, where people are purchasing aircraft that are complex and they're finding, oh no, I can't be insured. That's correct, and I mentioned age before, so we're finding this year especially many of the underwriters um, less willing to insure, I'll say senior pilots, in uh, high-performance complex or tailwheel aircraft. And when I say senior pilots, pilots you know, in their later 70s and into their 80s. So I would encourage those persons, if they haven't yet bought a plane but they really want to, uh, do it now. <laughs> I'd also encourage them to go out and join a club, you know, because a lot of folks do that. Well, that's true. And one thing with um, a club, there's the underwriters don't necessarily look at the age of the club members. So that's uh, another um, benefit of belonging to a club. You're not going to be underwritten as closely as you would if you purchase your own plane. I think another good thing about a club as you start getting on in age, as, as some of us have, and uh, it's nice to have someone else in the other seat, you know, just in case something may happen. That, that, that's true, and some of the companies are requiring it at certain ages that you have another qualified pilot along with you. So, you know, that's just the nature of our industry right now. But I look at it as a positive. You get to share the cockpit with somebody and go enjoy flying with somebody else. So I think I think that's terrific. That is true. Uh, but we find oftentimes those pilots don't want to be uh, burdened by having to have another pilot with them. Yeah, and I can understand that. You spent all this money on an airplane, right? Right. That's true. <laughs> You're also speaking, I think, at uh, the U.S. Sport Aviation Expo here I think tomorrow what is it you're going to be speaking about well we're going to talk about these changes that are uh, that we're seeing in 2019 and how that may affect them for their upcoming renewal or if they are planning on purchasing a new airplane what they may expect and then just kind of an open discussion uh, after we we talk about those changes cool and they can find you here at the booth uh, where all the indoor exhibitors are and also they can find you if, if they're listening on the internet right now and they're not going to make it to Sebring, of course, air-prosdebt.com, air-prosdebt.com, and Aviation Insurance Resources. You can just find that by Googling it. Anything else you want to tell the uh, folks that are potentially looking at an airplane or insurance in an, in an aircraft, what, what they might want to think about before they give you a call? Uh, no, really. It's just give us a call and we'll take it from there. So I don't have to know before I call you, get all this information together. Like like I said, I, say I'm a newbie, a new owner. Yeah. I don't know what the heck to, to, to ask you. <laughs> well, the main things are your pilot hours. You have a good good, good uh, feel for what your total time is and tailwheel time is. And, and that's really about it. Now, if you come to us with, I just want to, I'm looking at a plane. I'd like to get a quote. Well, we need to narrow it down a little bit more. We need to give, uh, give us a couple make and models, a couple hull values, you know, what kind of purchase price you're looking at, and then your pilot hours, and then we'll take it from there. Awesome. I can't wait to, to do that. And also, obviously, Victoria Newville's on the Stuck Mike Avcast as one of our co-hosts. Uh, Aviation Insurance Resources have been a customer of theirs uh, for years on different aircraft. They've been really great to us and uh, been very accommodating and asked all, answered all of our questions. Plus, their rates are really good. Greg Ellsworth, thanks so much for speaking to us here at the Stuck Mike Avcast. Okay. Thank you, Carl. As Carl Valeri reporting for the 2019 U.S. Sport Aviation Expo with the Stuck Mike Avcast. Well, folks, I hope you enjoyed those interviews from day one of the U.S. Sport Aviation Expo 2019. Don't forget to tune in for day two tomorrow of the U.S. Sport Aviation Expo 2019. We'll have some more interviews, and day two starts a lot of the different drone programs out there. And if you're interested in the U.S. Sport Aviation Expo, don't forget next year to sign up. Plan today because they have some great information out there for all sorts of pilots. A lot of fun, really passionate people about aviation. We'll talk to you next episode. Safe flying. You've been listening to the Stuck Mike Abcast. 
Members of the Stock Mike Appcast may receive compensation for products or services mentioned during the podcast. Compensation may be received in the form of, but not limited to, referral commissions, free products, or service trials. Our opinions and views are never influenced by any compensation, and you should always perform your own due diligence before purchasing any products or services mentioned during the show. The Stuck Mike Avcast is an aviation podcast and a Valeri Aviation Corporation production.